Well, good morning, Haynes Creek. How's everybody doing today? All right, y'all are real excited to be here in the rain. I know, it's a beautiful day, nice weather. Y'all are the ones that really love Jesus, all right? So give yourselves a pat on the back. Well done for braving the nice weather out. But I appreciate y'all being here. My name is Travis. I'm the pastor here. Uh, and it is great to be worshiping with you today. If it is your first time here, I want to say a special welcome to you. We, we are just so thrilled and excited that you're here joining us, worshiping with us today. Uh, and I would love a chance just to reach out and say thank you for your visit. So if you do me a huge favor, at some point, even right now, just pull out your phone and text the word welcome to the number you see on the screen. That's all you got to do. Just text welcome to that number. Um, and like I said, it just gives me an opportunity to reach out and say thank you so much for your visit. That's all I'll use your information for, I promise. I won't sign you up for a spammer list or anything like that. Uh, I just want to say thanks. So if you could do that for me, I appreciate it. If you prefer a more old school approach, we do have cards and pens on our table right outside next to the coffee. We also uh, have a free gift we'd love to put in your hands today. So please stop by there before you head home. But again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's a good time to join us. We are uh, still at the beginning of our, our series through the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and pull those out. We're going to be uh, starting Acts chapter 2 today. So Acts chapter 2, uh, looking at the first 13 verses of chapter 2. Last week we finished out chapter 1, and now we're going to dive into chapter 2. So just kind of recap where we've been. Uh, so at the beginning of Acts, in the first chapter, what you see is, is Jesus, who's been with the disciples uh, for years now, has now ascended into heaven. And before he ascends, he tells them, you're, you're going to be my witnesses, and you're going to spread my message throughout the entire world. But, but first, before you do that, I want you to wait. I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And that's all he tells the disciples, and they, they're, they're just supposed to go and wait. And so we looked at last week, they're, they're waiting, and they don't know how long they're going to wait. They don't even know what the Holy Spirit coming is going to look like. And what we're going to see today is that it was going to be quite obvious. But they didn't know that, right? They didn't know. They're just waiting on something to happen. Uh, and then in, in, in chapter 2, we see that their waiting is done, the Holy Spirit Come. So again, if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, it's all good. We've got the verses on the screens behind me. We also have a Bible on that back table. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, please grab one of those as our gift to you. Uh, we'd love to send that home with you today. Uh, but again, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 13, and then we'll spend our time uh, discussing what the Lord has for us from this passage. So Acts chapter 2, starting verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya can, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said they are filled with new wine, or they are drunk on the good stuff. That's what that means. 
So Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit has now come. Their waiting is over. And it says that this happened on the day of Pentecost when they were all gathered together. Now that, that all of them most likely refers to the 120 that we saw at the end of chapter 1. We looked at that last week where, where 120 uh, of Jesus' faithful disciples are gathered together in the upper room and they're praying and they're waiting on the Holy Spirit. So most likely that's, that's who this is referring to when it says they were all together in one place. It's the 120 gathered together in that upper room. And then it says this happened on the day of Pentecost. So Pentecost is a Greek word, means 50. And Pentecost came to be referenced or used to reference the Jewish Feast of Weeks, the Jewish Feast of Weeks. You can read about this if you want to uh, flip all the way back to Leviticus chapter 23. Uh, There's good stuff in Leviticus, all right? I promise it's good stuff for you. But if you want to learn more about the history of the Feast of Weeks, Leviticus chapter 23, it happens 50 days after Passover. So it happens 50 days after Passover. Uh, and this is the time period uh, where, where Jewish people would come for this festival, for this feast. They would bring their first fruits of the harvest. Again, you can read about all this in Leviticus 23. Uh, but just know that's what's going on. That's the time period. This is a, a feast where people would come from all over, gather into Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Weeks, or again, as it came to be known, Pentecost. So that's kind of background what's happening. So the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and right like immediately gets to work, right? Again, this was this was obvious what was happening. This is just crazy stuff happening. There's there's wind, there's tongues looking like fire, there's disciples speaking in other languages, uh, there's a crowd gathering together, like just craziness happens, right? So the Holy Spirit comes and that's what we're going to spend our time talking about today, the Holy Spirit and what we see, what we can learn from the Holy Spirit in these 13 verses. So the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Uh, he's, he's not a force, uh, you know, as much, you know, shout out to the King James Version. He's, he's not a ghost, all right? Not the Holy Ghost. He's the Holy Spirit. He is a person, the third person of the Trinity and plays a major role in the book of Acts, right? Like this is just going to be a Holy Spirit primer today. Like we're just going to be scratching the surface, but we're going to be seeing the Holy Spirit do a lot of work through the book of Acts. And I don't know about you, uh, but, but the, the tradition that I grew up, I did grow up Southern Baptist, uh, which is what we are as a church. So it, where, when I grew up, the, there, there was not a lot of talk on the Holy Spirit, right? Like, not a lot of mention. It was like, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, we don't really talk about the Holy Spirit because it does some, some crazy stuff, makes us a little uncomfortable as Baptists, right? You know, it's okay. All right, we're going to be a little uncomfortable today. It'll be good for us. Uh, we don't really talk about the Holy Spirit as much. But the Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity. He is God. He is co-eternal, equal in power and attributes and nature to God the Father and God the Son, right? There's three persons in one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit plays a major role in our spiritual lives. I mean, you just look at broad strokes of what the Holy Spirit does in the Bible, in Scripture. We're told that, that the Holy Spirit regenerates us, right? Anytime you see that we're made new in Christ, that Jesus makes us new, or we put on the new self, that's the doctrine of regeneration. The Holy Spirit does that. Holy Spirit is the one making you new. Holy Spirit is told that, that he, he leads and guides us and, and gives us wisdom for life. The Holy Spirit teaches us Scripture and helps us understand the Word of God. Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts and empowers us for ministry. And Ephesians 1 talks about the Spirit sealing us until the day of redemption. What that means is he preserves our salvation, right? He gives us assurance that we are a child of God. We're told that the Spirit transforms. Like the Holy Spirit does a ton of work. But today I want to focus in on on three specific things that we see in this passage. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, we see the Holy Spirit 
do three things. And those three things are the Holy Spirit dwells in us, the Holy Spirit fills us, and the Holy Spirit works through us. That's where we're going today. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, the Holy Spirit fills us, and the Holy Spirit works through us. So let's dive in here. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. Point number one, if you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Look at verse two here. Verse two, and suddenly there came from heaven like a sound, a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So the Holy Spirit comes down from heaven. And I love that picture because as we just ended chapter one, Jesus has ascended back to heaven, right? And the, whole, uh, the disciples are told to just wait. And they've been with Jesus. They've been in the presence of God for three years now. And now uh, they're alone. They're by themselves. But as Jesus ascends into heaven, he sends the Holy Spirit down from heaven. The Holy Spirit comes down from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, now, that word for mighty there is a violent force. It's a violent force. That's the sound that they heard, a violent force. Think, have you ever uh, experienced a tornado or a hurricane? I know we had a tornado come around these parts uh, just recently, right, a few weeks ago. But when you, I grew up in South Florida, so we had hurricanes all the time. And, I mean, it was, it was no mistaking what was coming. When you hear that, that powerful wind, it makes this unmistakable sound. Like, I remember uh, being woken up in the middle of the night just hearing the winds of a hurricane come through. Like, it is just powerful. Well, that's what was happening when the Holy Spirit came. When the Holy Spirit came, there was this violent force and this sound, not just filling the house and not just filling where they were, but it filled the whole area. I mean, the crowd started to gather because they heard this wind. We're like, what is happening? What's going on? Like, that's how violent of a force the Holy Spirit coming was. That just would have been incredible, right? So the Holy Spirit comes like a mighty rushing wind, fills the house, fills the area. And then it says, it says in, uh, let's keep reading here. In verse three, it says, in divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. So tongues that looked like fire split out among all the disciples and just and rested on them. It rested on them. On the count of three, I want you guys to say rested. One, two, three, rested. Good job. That word rested is the Greek word kathizo. Kathizo. It's the Greek word there. Kathizo means to, to sit down. But not just like, you know, oh, I'm tired and I want to I have a seat and I just want to sit down. Like that's not, that's not what it means. What the word brings to mind is that, that you're settling in, right? Like you're, you're settling, you're, you're sitting down for a long time. When I used to be a, a server uh, at a restaurant, we had people that, you know, sometimes you, you get to talking, you stay a little while, you hang out. We used to say they're camping out, right? They're camping out. They're just hanging out there, wasting my table and my space, all right? And I was, I was not very happy about that. But they were camping out, you know? And, and like when you have somebody come over for, like to visit your house, like you, you, you don't, you know, just, hey, welcome to my house. Let's stand in the doorway here, right? No, you say, hey, come in, have a seat. Come on, make yourself at home. Sit down. Take it easy. Take a lot of it. Just sit down and stay for a while. That's what, that's the, that's cathizo. You're coming in and you're settling down. You're hanging out. You're settling in. That's what the Holy Spirit did. It came and it rested on them. It settled down with them. It stayed with the disciples. And theologians talk about this as, as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is now dwelling in them. And there's a couple things I want to note about this before we move on to our next point. The first one is this indwelling of the Holy Spirit happens for us today. It happens for believers the moment of conversion, the moment of conversion. Okay, so there's, there's some different things happening in the book of Acts. I want to make sure that we take note of that, and I point it out. Uh, so in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus says, hey, wait on the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
So this baptism of the Holy Spirit, you see that phrase throughout Scripture. This baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is this indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit dwelling with us. That's baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now in Acts chapter 2, we saw the disciples had to wait for that to happen, right? Like they already believed in Jesus. They trusted in Jesus. They put their faith in Jesus. They didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. They had to wait on that. So is that what we should expect today? Uh, I would argue no. I, I would argue no, that this moment at Pentecost is a special moment in history. And remember, we're, we're using a language throughout the book of Acts. We're talking about things that are prescriptive and things that are descriptive. So things that are prescriptive, things that are prescribed to us, commands that we're supposed to follow, things that today as believers in 2022, things that we're supposed to emulate. But there's also things in the book of Acts that are descriptive. Luke, the historian, the author of this, is just describing what was happening. Unique things that are happening in this point in history of Christianity. And that's one of these moments in Pentecost. So we should not, uh, as believers today, we should not have to, we don't wait on the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. The minute we put our faith in Jesus, we are baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is now dwelling within each of us. Uh, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. He says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So he says not only when we put our faith in Jesus are we brought into the body of Christ, not only are we brought into the church, we're also baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. Paul also talks about in Romans 8 that if you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Jesus. So by belonging to Jesus, by putting your faith in Jesus, you automatically get the Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us immediately when we put our faith in Jesus. The second thing I want to point out is, is here in this passage, what we're being told about the Holy Spirit, it, it, it is the very presence of God. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of God within us. When the Holy Spirit dwells in us, it is the very presence of God within us. And we see uh, these symbols of, of wind and fire happening in Acts chapter 2. These are, these are symbols used throughout your Old Testament for the presence of God, especially fire. I mean, just think about how often we see fire being used as the presence of God. We see it at the burning bush, right? Exodus chapter 3, the burning bush. That's God's presence talking to Moses. Uh, we see it uh, in uh, the fire on the top of Mount Sinai, or what looks like fire on top of Mount Sinai when Moses is receiving the law. Now, we see that the Israelites were, were led through the wilderness by a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. We see wind bringing life to the dry bones in Ezekiel 37. So these are, these are symbols of God's presence. We're also told that, that these, uh, this sound, this rushing wind, it filled the house, right? It filled the house where they were. That's another symbol for God's presence. I mean, we see when, when Moses and the Israelites, when they first built the tabernacle and they dedicated it to God, they set everything up, it says that the, the presence of God came in like smoke and filled the whole place. When, when Isaiah has his moment before, stop talking, robot. When, when Isaiah has his moment in the presence of, of God in Isaiah chapter 6. It's told that, that his presence fills the entire temple. So when we see this, this filling, when we see fire and wind, we're, we're meant to take from that, man, this is the presence of God. This is the presence of God. And see, unlike in the Old Testament where, where the, the Jewish people, the Israelites, believers in God, they had to travel to a physical location. They had to go to a temple to be in and near the presence of God. When, when we see the, the Spirit resting on people in the Old Testament for specific purposes and things like that, that's no longer where we're at. No, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God is now with us every moment of every day. 
If you have put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is now within you. And this is a, a turning point in the book of Acts. This is a special moment because God is no longer dwelling in temples made of man. No, he is dwelling in us. We are now his temple. Paul speaks to this in, in 1 Corinthians 3.16. He says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If you've put your faith in Jesus, you've trusted in Jesus, you are the temple of God. You're the temple of God. And that, that presence of God dwells in you every moment of every day. Everywhere you go, you are carrying the presence and the power of God with you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The same spirit that we see performing miracle after miracle in scripture dwells in you. The same uh, spirit that is making people speak in language they didn't previously know here in Acts chapter 2, that spirit, that power dwells in you. This is what it means to have the spirit in us. It's the presence of God. God is not far off and distant. And somebody that we have to, to claw and grasp and fight to get to know, he is right here. He's near. He's close. He's with us. He dwells in each of us. Put our faith in Jesus. God's presence dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. So that's the first thing we see the Spirit doing. He, he dwells within us. Holy Spirit dwells within us. The second thing we see here is the Holy Spirit fills us. The Holy Spirit fills us. Look at verse 4. Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, so they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we see this language throughout Scripture as well, especially in the book of Acts. The believers and apostles and disciples being filled with the Spirit. We see uh, Acts 4.8, Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 4.31, all the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, 13.9, Acts 13.9, Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 13.52, all the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. So we see this language being used of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Another place that's spoken of this is Ephesians 5, starting in verse 18. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21 says, And do not get drunk with wine. So here it is again. We're seeing contrasting, filled the Holy Spirit, drunk on wine. I don't know why we always see this, but you know, it, it is. So uh, do not get drunk on wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So here in this passage, we're called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is, that, that's a command. That's a command given to us in the original language here. It is a command, be filled. Be filled. That's a command that we're to walk in obedience to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, real quick, I want to make a, a mention of this. It's different than the indwelling of the Spirit. So filling of the Spirit, indwelling, different things, okay? So the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which we just talked about, being baptized with the Holy Spirit, that happens once the moment we put our faith in Jesus. One time. We immediately put our faith in Jesus, the Spirit dwells in us, and it's not going anywhere. All right, he's with us always. But, but filling is something that, that can happen continually throughout the lives of believers, and here, again, it's a command. It's something that we're, we're told to seek after. It's something that we're told to pray for, that we're at, to ask God, fill us with your spirit, Lord. This command that we're supposed to follow. And what we see, and this is what we've been talking about with, with the book of Acts, right? That the spirit fills us 
for a purpose, right? He, he fills us to walk in obedience to him. He, he fills us for boldness and mission and ministry. He fills us to be Jesus's witnesses throughout the entire world. He fills us to have a, a deeper heart for God, to lead us away from sin and, and towards Jesus. That, that's why the Spirit fills us. And again, it's something that, that we're to pray for, that we're to ask God for. But, but here's, here's what I would say. We can't expect the Spirit to fill us if our lives and our hearts are already filled with a bunch of other stuff. I think I've told you guys this before, but uh, when, when my family goes out of town, anytime we travel, whether it's you know, on vacation or uh, going to see family, uh, we, we, we bring the whole house with us pretty much. Like we, we pack for, for anything and everything. So our, when we travel, man, our, our car is filled to the brim. I don't, some of y'all are like light packers and you're like, you know what, whatever happens, I'll just figure it out. That just, that, that makes my heart uneasy just even thinking about that right now. Uh, I'm like, I don't, I don't know how you do that. And I'm also cheap. So I'm like, man, if I have to, why would I have to like go somewhere and be like, oh, I don't, I don't have this. Now I got to buy something that I already own back home. No, I'm just going to bring everything. All right. I'm just going to bring it all. And if I need it, great. If I don't, that, whatever, I'll figure it out. So now it's like a game for me. So like we try to just fill it, our car with as much stuff as possible. Like that's really what I feel like we're doing. So we, we fill our car up. We have this bag that sits on top of, of, of our car. We fill that up too. And then we just recently got, uh, over the last year, we got another bag that kind of hangs off the back. I call it our car's backpack. I know, y'all think I'm crazy. It's okay. I'm all right with that. Uh, so you know, we fill up the car's backpack. So that hangs on the back. We got the thing on top. And then like inside, there is only room for sitting in your seat that you have. Like so we, our kids have, have their car seats and, and everything else around them is just filled with stuff. All right. It's just, I wish I had a picture I could show you guys. It's just filled with everything. And now it's like, you know, Kendra's like, oh, hey, we got this other thing. And I'm like, ooh, I can fit it. I can fit it. Like now it's like, man, I, I, will, I will fit as much stuff as I possibly can. I got this. I'm going to squeeze it in. I'm going to stuff it in. If it breaks, that's all right. I'll figure it out later. But I'm going to get it in there. All right, I'm going to get it in there and it'll be good. All right. So that, that's, how I, that's how I view packing. It's just like, let's just take as much stuff as possible. Uh, but that, you know, often that, that's how our lives look, right? That's how our lives look. Often we, our lives are just filled with so much stuff that's not Jesus, like our hearts and our desires are filled with things like, like greed, materialism, just wanting new stuff just to have new stuff, just wanting the latest and greatest thing just, just to say we have it. Uh, being driven by ambition and success and, and I got to have that promotion. I got I to get that new job. I got to get a higher paycheck. Or maybe we're, we're driven and we're filled with, with desire for approval and acceptance from others. I mean, maybe uh, it's things uh, like we're, we're being filled with, with lust or, or fear or, or just busyness, just busyness. Like we're, just, we're just busy. We just got a lot of stuff going on. We're just busy. We just got, we're just busy. I just, yeah, just busy. I just thought, you know, I get it. We've got a lot of stuff going on. And too often we're, we're living our lives like, like me trying to pack. I'm just like, let me, let me just try to squeeze some of Jesus in there. Let me just try to fit some of Jesus. I know, I know I've got, you know, these other things that I really want to do, but I, I also know, you know, I haven't picked up my Bible in a whole week. So let me, let me, let me read one verse today and just, I, I got it. I checked it off, man. Let me, let me pray for 30 seconds before I go to bed because I, I completely forgot about God today. You know what? I haven't been at church in a month, so maybe, maybe I should squeeze it into my schedule. That's what we do. We're, we're consumed with so many things. We fill our lives and our hearts with so many things. Look, I'm no different. I do the same thing. We fill our lives and our hearts with so much stuff. And look, when, when that happens, when our lives are overflowing with, with anything but Jesus, 
how can we expect the Spirit to fill us? How can we expect the Spirit to work in our lives when we're so busy living and focused on anything and everything else? Look, if, we, if we want the Spirit to fill us, if we want a filling from the Spirit, we first, we first have to empty ourselves. We have to empty ourselves. We have to let go of that tight grip that we have on the things of this world. We have to stop living for ourselves. We have to stop living for others. Even the good things in life, right? Like, it's good to have, so I'm not saying it's a sin to be busy. I'm not saying it's a sin to do a bunch of things on the way. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's a sin to travel. No, I'm not saying that. But when we love these things more than we love Jesus, it's become an idol. It's become an idol. And that's what we're talking about. We, gotta, we have to empty ourselves from these idols. We have to tear down these idols and make Jesus the center of our lives. This is what he calls us to. Right? When, when Jesus calls us, he doesn't call us to just be a part of his life, to just be something that we do on occasion, just some hobby that we have amongst all the other focuses and things in our lives. No, when Jesus calls us, what does he say? He says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, die to everything, and come follow me. And here's the, the incredible thing about that. When Jesus says, when you lose your life for me, that's when we truly gain life. That's when we truly gain life. And look, I think we see that. I think we know what Jesus is talking about here. We, we've seen when I devote my life to these other things, man, it doesn't leave me satisfied. I mean, there's, there's hundreds of stories of people that we would think, man, they've got it all, right? They've got all the money. They've got all the fame, all the fortune. They've got all the stuff in this life that I so long for. And how often do we hear how miserable those people are? All the time. That stuff doesn't satisfy. We know that that stuff doesn't lead to life, and yet we chase after it anyways. We seek after it anyways. And here's Jesus saying, hey, just come live for me. Just come follow me, and that's where we have true and abundant life. Let's empty ourselves of the things of this world and, and give our lives to Jesus and be filled with the Spirit. This is the life we're supposed to live. So the Holy Spirit dwells in us. The Holy Spirit fills us. And our, our third thing here, the Holy Spirit works through us. The Holy Spirit works through us. Let's see uh, what happens after this dwelling, what happens after the filling, verse 4. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and what happens? They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the, the, the Spirit dwells in them, the Spirit fills them, and immediately gets to work, right? Immediately gets to work. They're speaking in other languages. A huge crowd is starting to gather to, to hear what's happening the Holy Spirit just automatic, like he hits the ground running, right? And there's no delay in the Spirit's work. So this crowd gathers, and, and what are they hearing? They're, they're hearing their own language. They're hearing these, these people from Galilee who they would have never thought, oh, you can speak uh, in native Cappadocian. I don't even know what that would be. It's modern-day Turkey, so maybe something like that. But what, what the word that's being used is where we get the word dialect for. So it's not just they're speaking in another language. They're speaking fluently in the dialect that that region uses, I went to Guatemala a couple years ago, and look, I don't, I don't know any Spanish. I know, like, I slept through one of the classes I took in high school about Spanish, so I, I don't know anything, so I know nothing. But I'm just like, you know, Spanish is Spanish, right? No, turns out it's not, all right? Turns out it's not, and the Guatemalan people help me understand, like, no, we speak a, a specific dialect of Spanish. Like, there's certain things that, and phrases that we use that if we were to use that in another Spanish-speaking country, they'd be like, what are you even saying? So that's, that's what's going on here. 
Like, it's not just that the disciples are speaking another language. They are fluently speaking in specific dialects. That's crazy, y'all. That's wild. These guys are from Galilee. They're not speaking a bunch of different languages. This is the Holy Spirit's work. Holy Spirit is causing them to do this. And, and what are they speaking about? What are they saying? Look at verse 11. What is it that this crowd hears? It says that we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. The mighty works of God. That's what they're proclaiming. That's what they're talking about. All right, so what, what's going on here? What, what can we draw from this? First, let me, let me hit the elephant in the room. Let's talk about tongues. All right, let's talk about tongues. This will be fun, all right? We're not going to skip over that. That's not what we do here, all right? This is why we go verse by verse through books of the Bible, because we're, we're going to hit this stuff as it comes up. So speaking in tongues, what's going on here? Well, some of the things that I want you guys to note about is, one, this, this moment in Acts chapter 2, Again, this, I would argue that this is something that is unique to Christian history. This is unique uh, to what's happening. So we today, as believers in 2022, should not expect the moment you put your faith in Jesus that you will start speaking another language. That'd be awesome if you did. Tell me about it. If, you, if that happens, I want to hear about it. That is awesome. Praise God for that. That'd be really cool. But we should not expect that, all right? We should not expect to immediately start speaking in another language. What we see happening in the book of Acts, when this happens, and we're going to see this pop up from time to time as we go. We're going to see when people receive the Holy Spirit, when they put their faith in Jesus, they're immediately speaking in tongues. The reason we see that in the book of Acts is this is God's way of telling everybody else that's seeing this, this is legit. This is from me. You can trust their faith. Because we're going to see this happen with Samaritans. We're going to see this with the Gentiles. And the Jewish people would not have expected God to save Samaritans and Gentiles. But he does. So he uses the gift of tongues to say, hey, no, no, no. This is legit. This is legit. You can trust this. All right, so that's a little bit unique here. So we should not expect to immediately start speaking in tongues when we put our faith in Jesus. Now, we also see tongues throughout Scripture, right? Like, it's not just in the book of Acts that we see tongues. So where else do we see tongues? One of the more popular places in, is in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, chapters 12 through 14. And, and in that, we're, we're told that tongues, the speaking of tongues, is a gift of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives the gift of tongues. And Paul also says in, in 1 Corinthians 14 that, that tongues should require an interpretation, right? If you're speaking in tongues, if you're doing it in church, somebody should be there that has the gift of interpretation that tells you what's going on. So it's, it's, it's like all gifts, right? It's just like any other gift that it's used to build up and edify the church, okay? So uh, just keep that in mind. That's where we see other things in scripture. The word here for, for tongues and the word used in other places or, or one of the words that's used here for tongues is, is the Greek word glosa, Greek word glosa. It can mean a few different things, just like Greek. It has a wide semantic range, can mean a bunch of different stuff. So it can mean an actual tongue, like your actual tongue that's in your mouth. Uh, it can mean a known language, like what we see here in Acts chapter 2. They're speaking known languages. And it can also uh, be referred to as some sort of speaking outside of the normal language that requires an interpretation. So a lot of folks believe that, that that's what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 12, that, that because it's required to have an interpretation, that it's some kind of speaking, some kind of words being used that like nobody knows what you're saying unless there's a uh, supernatural interpretation. So uh, again, that's just kind of an overview of where we see tongues throughout scripture. So popular question that I get asked a lot uh, as a pastor is, is are our tongues active today? 
Our tongues still is an active gift today for believers. Uh, and there's, there's you know, two sides usually to this debate. So you've got uh, what's called cessationists over here on one side, and you've got what, what's called continuationists over here on the other side. So continuationists would say all gifts in Scripture are, can and will be used by the Holy Spirit at whatever time the Holy Spirit sees fit. The Holy Spirit can do whatever the Holy Spirit's going to do, and there's not a clear verse in Scripture that says, no, they, they stop. These gifts over here stop at this point in time. So that's continuations. And you got over here the cessationists, if you can guess from the word, that they believe that certain gifts have ceased. Typically the more miraculous ones like tongues and interpretation, healings and miracles, and some of the crazy stuff that you see. They, they would say, no, those cease. They're, they're no longer active for today. And these positions are held by good people that love Jesus. So, so keep that in mind. This is what we call an open-handed issue. People who love Jesus can disagree on it. Um, so you get to make your own decision. I won't leave you hanging. I land over here on the continuationist side, all right? This is where, where Travis lands over here. Uh, I don't see a, a clear verse in Scripture you can point to and say, these gifts stopped being used at this time. Um, I also don't feel comfortable putting a box around God. I just like to say, you know, God, God's God, and he can do whatever he wants to do, and I'm cool with that. Um, so that's where, I, that's where I land. And again, good people love Jesus. If you're like, man, I totally disagree with that. Cool, we can still be friends. I'm down for that. It's not gonna phase me. So anyways, that's overview of tongues. What else do we see here in this passage? All right, again, I wanted to hit on that so we're not confused there. What else do we see from the Holy Spirit's work? Well, three things as we close out today. Three things I wanna leave you as we close out today. The, the work that should be evident of the Holy Spirit in us, these three things that we see. One, the Holy Spirit's work should be evident. The work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers should be evident. It should be evident. It should be clear. As we see here in Acts chapter 2, people were clearly seeing the work of the Holy Spirit. It was obvious something was happening. These guys are speaking other languages. There was a huge, loud, massive, violent force of a sound. Tongues being divided out like they were seeing with their eyes and hearing with their ears the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's work was evident, and it should be the same for us. If we call ourselves a believer, if we live for Jesus, the work of the Spirit should be evident in our lives. And one of the ways that it should be evident is exactly what we see here in chapter 2. People should hear us talking about Jesus. If the Holy Spirit's really at work, if our lives are fully devoted to Jesus, we're going to talk about him more than our favorite sports team or our favorite restaurant or that new show that we're binging, our favorite podcast. We should talk about him. That's what we see here, right? The, the disciples are proclaiming with their words, with their mouths, the mighty works of God. It wasn't, they were just, you know, living a good life and just people by osmosis, somehow they just knew, oh, you're a believer. Oh, I should put my faith in Jesus. Oh, let me go do that. That's not what we see here. And this is not what we see throughout the book of Acts. We are called as believers to be witnesses for Jesus and witnessing demands using our words. We've got to use our mouths for that. So they were using their words to talk about Jesus. It should be the same for us. And yes, also our lives and our character should display Jesus, right? We, we should display Jesus with our characters. We see this in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 23. Verse 19, it says, now, the works of the flesh are evident. So the works of the flesh are obvious to the eyes. Like we see the works of the flesh. They should be evident. They are evident. 
Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, envy, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I'm sure that doesn't describe any of us. You know, I know that, you know, those, what, what's going on here? That's not us, right? You know, we're, we're sinners. I, just to be clear, we're all sinners, okay? This does describe us. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit which here it's contrasted works of the flesh contrasted with fruit of the spirit. If the works of the flesh are evident, fruit of the spirit should be evident, should be obvious. And what are those things? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Believers in the room, if we have put our faith in Jesus, if we are claiming to live for Jesus, this is what our life should look like. Our lives and our character should display Jesus to those around us. And look, when we live this way, look, there's, there's not a lot of joy right now in the world. Not a lot of kindness out in the world right now, is there? There's not. Not a lot of patience, especially when we disagree with each other. Not a lot of patience, not a lot of forbearance going on but this is how we're supposed to live our lives. We should be different. Look, with all that's going on right now in the world, with Russia and Ukraine, pandemic still going on, there's not a lot of peace, right? We're not feeling a lot of peace right now. It's not like, oh man, things are just wonderful and great and my life is just, you know, it's just amazing every step of the way, right? No, there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of unease. There's a lot of uncertainty, right? Like those are words that we've been using for like two years now. But if we're believers in Jesus, our lives should be marked by joy and peace. We should have self-control. I mean, again, these are things that, that, that go opposite of the world that we live in. It, it should cause us to stand out. So we need to constantly be asking ourselves, what visible evidence of the Spirit's work is my life showing right now? Where is the Spirit's work evident to those around me? Would my family members would my coworkers, would my neighbors be surprised to hear that I follow Jesus? Would they be shocked? And these are the questions we need to ask ourselves. So Spirit's work should be evident. The second thing we see here is the Holy Spirit unites across ethnic and racial barriers. Look, look at all the nations represented. I'm not going to read these again because it was honestly a miracle that I got through it the first time without messing. That's why I read it really fast. If you notice that, that's why I read it fast. So something they teach you in seminary. But like, it just what we're meant to grab from that is not like, oh, these are the special places. No, what we're meant to grab is these are places from the north, the south, the east, the west, all over, all over. And what we're meant to grab from this is that Christianity is a global movement. Christianity is for the nations. Christianity, faith in Jesus, was not just for Jewish people. And we're going to see this shift and turn throughout the book of Acts. It is not just for the Israelites, and it's not just for Americans either. It's not just for us. It's for the world. It's for the world. And part of what the Holy Spirit does is take a bunch of different people and unite them together under the name of Jesus. People that, that are, are different socially, economically, ethnically, and racially. He takes all of our differences and he unites us together with Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit's supposed to do. 
We are not to be a divided people. Look, again, you look at the rest of the world, people are saying that we're, we're more divided now than we've ever been before. I don't know if that's true. I don't know how to even quantify that, but that's what they're saying. And you see it too, right? You see a lot of divisions and a lot of lines being drawn. Oh, well, if you're, if you're, a, if say this, then you're, you're against this and you hate these. And the, like, there's just a lot of lines being drawn, a lot of division. Let that not be the case for the church. I mean, what a shame when those divisions come in the church. That is not the work of Jesus. That's the work of the devil. Now, you saw that. Uh, one of the, the, uh, the works of the flesh is divisions. That's what, the, that's what the devil wants. He wants to divide. He wants to separate. The Spirit unites. The Spirit brings us together. It doesn't matter how different we are. We, we are to be united. We're to be multi-generational. We're to be multi-socioeconomic church. We're, we're to be a multi-ethnic church. You know, we, we live in, in one of the most diverse areas in the entire state of Georgia. One of the most diverse areas. And again, I'm, I'm not from here. I, I didn't grow up in this county. But what I'm, what I'm learning from those that have is there are still parts of this area that are extremely divided. They're extremely divided ethnically and racially. Let that not happen here. Let that not happen in these walls. Let's be a church that, that reaches across those barriers and unites under the name of Jesus. Let us not be people that are like, oh, I don't, I don't go to that part of town. I, I wouldn't recommend going over there. No, let's, let's not be those people. That is not the work of the Spirit. And look, what I, what I love about what we see in Acts chapter 2 is it, is it gives us a glimpse of heaven. It gives us a glimpse of heaven. I, I love the book of Revelation. One day we'll preach through that. But, but Revelation 7, 9 through 10. See, what Revelation does is it, is it peels back the curtain and lets us know exactly what's happening right here, right now. And this is a picture of heaven right here, right now. Verse 9 and 10 of, of Revelation chapter 7. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He takes a bunch of different people and unites them together in the name of Jesus. This is the kind of church we should be. Church, this is the kind of church that we should long for, that we should be praying for, a, a multi-generational, a multi-ethnic church, a diverse church that's united together in the name of Jesus. Because when we, when we have that, when we see that, it gives us a little glimpse of heaven. It brings heaven down to earth. How beautiful is that church? How wonderful would that be? So the Holy Spirit unites. Third thing we'll end here, the Holy Spirit creates a reaction. We see in this passage that, that people were, words being used, are, are amazed. They're astonished. They're bewildered and perplexed at what's happening. So there's like, whoa, this is cool. And man, I don't, what, what is happening? I don't even know what's happening right now. Like, so there's uh, lots of things different happen. And he says in verse 12 and 13, some are like, well, I, I want to hear more. What's happening? I want to know more. And others are like, man, y'all are drunk. Okay, y'all are crazy and you're drunk. All right, go back to bed. So they're, they're mocking and they're, they're making fun of them. But what we see from this is when the Holy Spirit works and when those works are evident, it creates a reaction. 
when we live our lives boldly for Jesus, it will cause a reaction. Are we going to get mocked and made fun of? Yeah, we are. And guess what? You're in good company with Jesus and the disciples here because they face the same thing. We should expect no different as his followers. But some are going to want it no more. Some are going to want it no more. And church, we, we won't get that reaction of people wanting to know more if we are not bold for Jesus, if we're not talking about Jesus, if we're not living for Jesus. But when, they, when those that want to know more, when they, say, when they verbalize it, when you have that moment, that's when we press in, right? That's when we press in. And as we're going to see next week with Peter's sermon, we're going to see that Peter took advantage of their curiosity. He stepped into their curiosity, stepped into their questions, and boldly proclaimed the name of Jesus. And, and that, that's the pattern for us, too. When we live our lives boldly, and people want to know more, we press into those opportunities. We press into those opportunities, and we speak boldly about the love and the grace and the mercy and the freedom of Jesus Christ. So after waiting, the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and immediately gets to work, right? Immediately starts working. And what we've seen in this passage is the Holy Spirit dwells in us, bringing us the very presence of God. The Holy Spirit fills us, empowering us for ministry and mission and obedience. And the Holy Spirit works through us. Holy Spirit work, works through us, using us, broken, struggling sinners like us, uses us to bring glory to the name of Jesus and others to him. So let's be a people filled with the Spirit. Let's be a people living boldly in the name of Jesus. Let's empty ourselves from all the things that we so chase after. Oh, we so buy into these empty promises of the world. These things promising us fulfillment and satisfaction and joy and comfort and peace. And look, I just want you to hear, th those are tricks of the enemy. John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. All of these things that we, we devote our lives to, that we live for in this life. We're living for things here that is ultimately only going to end in destruction and death. That is not the way of Jesus. That is not what Jesus wants for us. He offers us a better way. See, while the enemy comes to kill, still, and destroy, Jesus comes to give us life abundant, true, eternal life with him true satisfaction, true fulfillment, true joy, true peace, true comfort. That can only be found in Jesus. So let's empty ourselves, repent, and, and come back to Jesus. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be overflowing with the Holy Spirit. In a moment, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to do what we do every single Sunday that we gather, we, we take a moment during this time of our service, we take a moment to, to celebrate communion. And this is for believers in the room. So if you put your faith in Jesus, uh, as I pray, uh, the band's gonna come back up here. The band's gonna lead us in another 
couple of songs. And, and this is a time for us as believers to, to prepare our hearts, to maybe spend some time in prayer. Maybe, maybe you need to spend some time loosening up your grip on those things that you filled your life with. Maybe you need to repent and, and come back to Jesus. And as you feel led, as you're ready, you can go on either side of the room. We have tables set up on, on both sides over here with the elements. And you, you take the bread, you take the cup, and, and we remember and we celebrate Jesus's sacrifice for us on the cross that he gave up his body for us, that he shed his blood for us. And we worship our good God and Savior. If you're here and, and, and you're not a believer, I want you to know I'm so thankful that you're here. I love that you're here and I want you, please keep, keep coming, keep coming. This time isn't for you specifically, but I, I want you to know that it can be. I want you to know it can be, that that offer for abundant life is open to us all. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're tired of living for the things of this world, if you're, if you're realizing the empty promises that this world offers, if you're ready to step into true life with Jesus, he says that if you put your faith in him, if you trust in him, all your sins are forgiven. Wiped clean, clean slates, fresh start. Who else can say that? Only Jesus. He offers us freedom. He offers us forgiveness. And all we have to do is trust in him. So if that's you today, if you want to do that today, all you have to do is just tell God that. You just got to say, Jesus, I'm trusting in you. I believe in you. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for you. I know I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. I'm trusting you to do that. You do that, you put your faith in Jesus, you're welcomed into the family of God, baptized with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. So if that's you today, I want you to come. Let, let me know, let somebody else know so we can jump up and down and celebrate with you. Maybe you'll speak in tongues, it'd be awesome, right? I'm just kidding, don't let that scare you. <laughs> let me pray for us. Jesus, so thankful for who you are and all that you do, Lord. I'm thankful, Lord, that you are a God that is not far off. Lord, that you don't leave us here by ourselves. You're not some distant, far away God. Lord, you, you, are, you are near. You are close. You are dwelling within us. Lord, let us live as your temples, as your people. Holy Spirit, would you fill us, Lord? Would you fill this place? Would you fill every life of the believer in this room, Lord? Would you fill us to overflowing, Jesus? Empty us of all the other things that we live for, Spirit, and fill us, Lord. Fill us. Use us in whatever way you see fit, Lord. Empower us for ministry. Give us the words to say, Lord. Give us strength to walk in obedience to you, Jesus. I thank you that you are a God who, who loves us. You love us so much that you gave your life for us, Jesus. We thank you and praise you for that, Lord. And we ask all of this in your powerful and precious name. Amen.